Good morning. morning. I'm happy to be with you again this morning. And today I'm going to share with you a message that the Lord has been putting in my heart over the last several years. I've entitled it, The Glory of Man. I'd like us to first open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians 11, the 11th chapter and the 7th verse. And we're just going to read a portion of this this morning. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. For a man indeed ought to cover his head, for as much as he is in the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. The woman is the glory of man. So I think you know what I'm going to be talking about this morning. God has given women in the role of being a wife a special purpose when he created us. He wants us as women, as wives, to be the glory of men. Now, what does that word glory mean? Honor and praise that by our character, we will be an honor to our husbands. Isn't that a neat thought? God wants to use me as a wife to my husband by my character to bring honor to my husband so that I can be an instrument in the Lord's hands to help my husband be the glory of God. Now, we as women need to be uh, representing God's character. That doesn't mean that we can only give honor to our husbands and not to God because we first give ourselves to God. But rightly understanding, God would have us to live in such a way that we help our husbands overcome the weaknesses of their character. That's a mission field God has given us as wives right in our own home. Have you ever thought about that? Let's look and see in the book of Genesis, the second chapter in the 18th verse. And here is where where we read about God creating woman. And exactly what God had in mind. God, uh, Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man that he should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. I'm going to make him a helper, a companion, someone that he can spend his time with, to talk with, to associate with, to share with. And that companion, that help meet... God wants us as women to be the helpmeet that will help to develop and to strengthen and to honor our husbands. Adventist Home, page 99, says it like this. Adventist Home, page 99. The wife is to soften and improve her husband's character and give it completeness. That tells me that there are weaknesses in my husband that God wants to use me to help him to overcome, that his character can be more in the likeness of Christ, to complete it by softening and subduing. Isn't that a tremendous privilege that God has given us? And wives, do our husbands have weaknesses? I haven't met a man who doesn't have a weakness. And I haven't met a woman who doesn't have weaknesses. And I haven't met a child who doesn't. But God wants to use each of us to help those nearest and dearest to us to develop a character more in the order of God. And you know, oftentimes it's in the littlest things that we as wives struggle the greatest. Have you ever thought about that? It's the little things, the little weaknesses in the characters of our husbands that are so difficult to let go of. Often we find many women, and I have done this before, I begin to share with my friends my husband's weaknesses. Instead of being a true helpmeet, instead of following the, the, the words from Paul that I am to bring glory to my husband. It's too easy to share our problems and get our 
friends, to be sympathetic toward how difficult our life is. And God is asking us to take our attention away from others in looking for sympathy for self and our, na- and our, and our fleshly nature and look to Him that He can change us and use us. It's the little things often, as I said, that cause us frustration, agitation, irritation, depression, or however you and your personality relate to it. And I have found, as I have studied my role as a wife, as I'm coming to understand more and more clearly how God wants to use me to help my husband, that in the past I have dealt with his weaknesses in three ways. And I have looked at different weaknesses of his character, and I have seen that in my life, I've always dealt with those weaknesses in the same way in the flesh. These are three ways we deal with weaknesses in the flesh to our husbands, our husbands to wives. And I think it's very, very common. First of all, we tend to pamper him or pamper the situation. Coddle them. We do the same thing with our children and their weaknesses. We pamper them. If they don't obey us, we pamper them. Now, honey, don't you want to pick that up? And don't you? And we just keep working and prodding. And but we don't really help our children in that way. And so often with our husband. Secondly, we maybe ignore it. Maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. I won't say anything. Is that really how we should help our husbands by ignoring them? If we ignore our children, do they improve naturally? No. And the third way is that we often criticize. And in my life, I first began by pampering my husband. Then I ignored his behavior. Then I began to criticize his behavior. None of those three ways has been effective at all in any of his weaknesses to help him to overcome those. And the Lord is working and saying, I want to use you. You've got to get rid of those things that you've, the way you've dealt with that in the past, and you need to let me work with you. Let me share an an example with you. One of the weaknesses I became very aware of in my husband after we were married was some of his driving techniques. Now, I know that everybody can go through the same driver's training and everybody interprets it and and applies those principles in a little bit different way. So I'm not expecting that my husband should need to drive like me, but sometimes the way he drove the vehicle went against how I would do it, and and particularly that in reading the signs like uh, speed limit signs, uh, construction signs, exit signs, and things like that. And when I grew up, my father was, he was a, he traveled a lot and he was very attentive to all the signs and he had one of these personalities. If he went there once, he could go there again, never needed a map, directions or anything. And I grew up much like my father in this area. He was very independent. My mother never said anything about how he drove or how to read the map or where to go. He did it all himself and I did, I learned those same things. And so, After we were married, now before we were married, I rode often with my husband-to-be in his car, and I never noticed he had a problem in those areas. But after we were married, and the longer we were married, the more obvious it became to me. So at first I began to say, you know, pamper him. I I tell him where to exit, when to get on, and, and that speed limit is 45 here, and, you know, I would be like that. Then I got in my flesh, well, I I don't really think this is necessary. I mean, I know he knows how to read. And so then I began to ignore it. But that wasn't the answer either, friends. And occasionally we would miss our turn. Not, Not that often, but sometimes we would. Or sometimes he'd go right through that town at 45, and now it's 25, and he'd go right through. And I'm thinking, I really hope there's not a policeman sitting here. Especially those little towns, you know, you're going down the little highway, it's 55, and then, you know, it's only a mile long or half a mile long, and they drop the speed limit two or three times, and you're in and out, and sometimes you don't even notice the town. But ignoring was not the answer. Then I began to criticize him. Can't you read those signs? I mean, didn't you just see that sign back there? You see how the Spirit, none of the ways that I was using was effective. 
I wasn't helping my husband at all, and nor was I helping myself. I was causing contention in the home. The unrest was in my heart. And when I began to study the role of a wife in the individual life, my need of Christ, the Lord began to show me very clearly in the car that, that those principles of His gospel applied to me in the passenger seat. And I began to pray first that the Lord would work in my heart. That was the first thing I did. And the Lord said, don't put your husband down. Don't criticize him. Don't belittle him, especially in front of the children. Don't do those things. Then the Lord said, pray for him. Why don't we take the most simple and obvious ways to overcome any weakness and go to the Lord for it? First, individually. Secondly, praying for the person. I had to first pray that my heart would be right, that my desires would be pure, and I would be looking for ways to help my husband. Secondly, I needed to pray for him, that his spirit would be open to... um, be more attentive that his spirit may be open to talking about that and then the Lord said you need to talk about this area to your husband but don't do it when you're going down the interstate looking for an exit that is not the time so I began to see and I I shared this with my husband I said you know sometimes it seems like you're dependent on me and I wonder if I'm not in the car if you could get where you needed to go and yet he always got there it was not a problem and I found out that he was so used to me that he just just allowed me to do it all. But I didn't like that. And I wasn't really helping him to be the attentive driver that he could be. And it wasn't that he was reckless. I'm just talking about the speed signs and things like that. The other thing I noticed that the Lord began to share with me is that when I saw the sign ahead, it said, you know, your exit's in a half a mile. Well, if I was in the furthest lane out to the left, I would immediately begin to get and prepare myself to get off that interstate because that's the way I grew up. You don't know what's ahead of you in that half a mile. And other drivers, they like to to pass three or four more cars before they get over. And I needed to be sensitive to what my husband's... It's not that he didn't see the sign. It's just he didn't feel the need to move over the lanes as fast as I would in my personality. So the Lord said I needed to give him some room. And... We pr- I prayed for myself and for my husband, and we talked about it. And we've come to see many ways that we can work with that. First of all, on long trips, I get out the map, and I'm a, I like to read the maps. I'm a map reader, and I look for the best and the most efficient way to get there, most direct way. And then my husband looks at the map with me. So he has an overview in what, where we're going where before I always used to read the map and he wouldn't know, you know, I mean, he knew where we were going, but he wouldn't have a visual conception of what it looked like because he allowed me to do that. Now he's taking part of looking at the map. Secondly, we talked about being sensitive to those signs. And he says, yes, I see them. But I just figured you'll tell me when, when they are, and so I just was going to wait for you. And the other thing I learned is that when I see a sign 45 miles an hour and I can see the sign, you know, 100 feet ahead of me or how far ever you can see, I start to slow down right then for it, where other people tend to wait till they get there to want to slow down. And I don't use my brakes, you know, I mean, I'm just pulling my foot off the gas pedal and kind of coast into that 45, where my husband may stay up to a, a little bit regular speed and then slow down a little bit more by using the brakes, still slowing down. I needed to be patient with him and let him have his, his own style of driving. But it's really been a help to us, friends. And now my husband is much more attentive where we, where we go, much more sensitive to the signs. And we can go on a trip, and there's not those feelings that are there of helping, you know, feeling like I have to help my husband drive the car. Now, isn't that a little thing? But God wants to use us in those things. And my husband said, yes, I I do need to be more attentive to watch for the signs along the way. And he is looking for those things. And it reflects in the spiritual life. You know, sometimes we can think we're on the right road to heaven, but we're not sensitive to the little road signs God is putting along the way. And we can find ourselves missing 
the turn, missing the opportunity to do something that God would have us do because we're just focusing on straight ahead. So it parallels the Christian experience. And it's in the little things of everyday life that character is developed through habits, through our thoughts. I'd like to go back to this quote from Adventist Home, page, 20, page 99. God made from the man a woman to be a companion and a helpmeet for him, to be one with him, to cheer him. Do our, do our husbands like to see us cheer them? By a smile, by kind words, by meeting them at the back door when they come home, by looking nice when they come home, to cheer them, encourage them. Has your husband ever been under a tremendous amount of stress? They need words of encouragement and to bless them. Oftentimes, we as wives think, well, let's see, the husband is the priest, he's the provider. He's the protector. He is supposed to be doing all those things for me. But God wants to use us to do those same things for him. To encourage him. Not always feeling like he needs to encourage me. We as wives need to encourage our husband. After we moved from our suburban setting to the country, my husband began an entire new profession, occupation. He used to be in radiography. He taught students how to take x-rays that were, that were very good quality. And he was the head of the school that did all of this instruction. And he had his office and he did his work and I was not a part of that at all. And he did a fine job. He held that position for several years. And then when we moved to the country, God gave him the opportunity to become self-employed as a real estate agent working out of our home. That was wonderful. That's what I was looking for. I wanted more time with my husband. But you know what? I was used to the first six years of our marriage, him being gone eight or nine hours a day. And now he's home often in the day, especially that first year when we started because it was a fairly slow time of year. The market there was depressed. He didn't, uh, the name of the real estate firm wasn't uh, familiar in the area. And so he was home quite a bit. And I began to have lots of time with him that I had not had before. And I began to see another area of weakness in my husband. By the way, I want you to know that we've talked about this, and he's allowed me to share these with you, so that we as wives and as husbands can understand the role that God has given us as husbands and wives and to encourage us in the practical lines of how it's the smallest things often that cause us to not truly honor and give honor and due respect to our husbands. Well, I became very sensitive that when my husband came to difficult situations, he would oftentimes put those off. Now, he was good about calling people or answering the phone when people were calling about property and things, and he would call them back. Sometimes he wouldn't call them as back as, as quick as I would want him to because he would have other things in his mind, and maybe in his mind he was thinking about some of the properties they may be interested in or he was gathering information. And, you know, it's like when the phone rang, oh, honey, did you call him back? Well, I needed to give him a little bit of time to prepare for those phone calls. But when things got more difficult in transaction where my husband's working maybe with another realtor or a buyer and a seller and they're not in agreement and things, it seemed that at times those real difficult situations would be set aside. And I wanted him to resolve it immediately. And so I began first by trying to pamper him. Then I began to ignore him. And then I began to speak words of criticism to him. Why? Because that's how we are naturally in the flesh. And husbands do the same thing to wives. And parents do the same thing to children. And children will do the same thing to their parents. But the Lord spoke to my heart because I knew in my own spirit I was not at rest. I could feel self being agitated in there. You know what that feels like? 
the intestines kind of twist and turn, and you just feel very um, uncomfortable physically. And so, again, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need you to subdue me first. If my husband has a weakness in this area, I know you want to use me to help him overcome that. But you must give me your grace to subdue me first. Then I asked for the Lord to work in my husband's heart, and he did. He was beginning the work. And then we, at the right time, we talked about it. Not when there's the call message there on the desk. But in a quiet time where we were, when I knew that both our spirits was prepared and the Lord said, now is the time. And he shared with me some of the reasons why he was waiting on those things. And then he, sh- he saw that God was calling him to overcome that weakness. And I knew that in, his, in my husband's humanity, that in those difficult situations, it would be easy for him to get defensive, to get cold and calculated. You know what that means? Cold and calculated. Just very composed and very direct and, and sending your words directly to that other person's heart and mind or perhaps being irritated, that is something that he saw that he did not want to enter into. And he was taking time in some of those situations where I thought he was just being slothful because he was asking the Lord to work in his own heart. So we began to talk about it. And just being able to talk about it lifted the burden. And it helped me to understand him. Because we oftentimes interpret things in our own personalities. And it gave me an understanding for how he was working through this because he wanted to rightly represent the Lord in all things. And yes, he still had a weakness in the, that area and he knew that God would, would, that he would continue to work with him and my husband wanted to overcome that. And I've heard my husband on very difficult phone calls. Like the day that somebody called and they're telling him that he is just about ready to be sued because they accused him of not representing the property right. Well, that can do all kind of things to the flesh, can it? I mean, who wants the thought of you're going to be sued? But I watched and I prayed for my husband. We talked about it. We prayed about it. And I prayed for him when he made those phone calls. And as when he talked to those irritated uh, buyers or whoever it was that was going to sue him, and he talked to those attorneys that he had the Spirit of God attending his mind and his words, that he did not become defensive, that he did not become cold and calculated, that he did not be fearful or afraid of their faces, but that he had Christ working in his heart. And do you know, God is the one who worked all that out. My husband never compromised from principle. He stood for principle and an excellent spirit. And when it was all said and done, he hadn't done anything wrong. And he knew that in the first place. But his flesh was tempted to either feel afraid of their faces, because nobody likes the idea they're going to be sued, or secondly, to defend his position in the flesh. And God wanted to use my husband to work through that situation that he could rightly represent the kingdom of heaven and not feel like he'd have to go back and say, I'm sorry, what I said was right, but in my spirit it was wrong. And I've seen my husband in a courtroom prepared to testify in another lawsuit that we weren't involved in and listening and he knowing what each of those people had done in that transaction and knowing the truth of the matter and I I can tell you, I had to continue to pray for my own self to be subdued there, that I wouldn't be fearful because we knew that if they continued the way they were, we were going to be brought into that one too. And nobody likes that feeling. And I knew how the Spirit worked in my heart, and I prayed for my husband that God would give him peace. And he had peace in that situation, friends. But what if I would have just continued to operate out of my natural personality? To pamper, oh honey, you poor thing. This isn't fair the way you're being treated. You had not. That wasn't your fault that that happened. You did your part and pamper him and coddle him and and pick up an attitude of defensiveness in behalf of him even in his right position. That wouldn't have helped my husband. I wouldn't have been an encouragement. I would have been temptation to him to pick up those same feelings of agitation. 
And I couldn't ignore it and just let him go through it alone. He needed a companion in that. He needed my support, my tenderness, my words of encouragement. And I couldn't, you know, I could have criticized him. Well, are you sure you did everything right? And, well, why didn't you do? Or, you know, didn't you have the thought you should have told him this? I mean, the critical spirit, God is working in my heart and has worked in my heart that he's teaching me how to be a wife that will be a glory and honor to her husband. And my husband has grown tremendously through that. What about those wives who have husbands who are workaholics? Have you ever heard that term workaholic? That means it's a man or a woman because women are just the same in their own sphere that just work and work and work and work and work and they set aside all the most important things to accomplish tasks or to accomplish uh, their goals that they have planned to help everybody else to be uh, noticed by other people for their good works or maybe they're just plain dedicated to it and they don't see the needs in their own homes well I'm thankful that my husband is a hard worker He will do whatever he needs to do to be a provider and a protector for our home. He's an extremely hard worker. But more than 10 years ago, God put a desire in my husband's heart and gave him a vision of the importance of the mission field of his own home. So he has learned how to, and continues to learn, how to balance out his natural desire to work and his desire to Make sure that the home base is in order, that it's happy, that mother's in Christ and the children are in Christ. Well, several years ago, I met with a lady that came to me and she said, my husband is a workaholic husband. And I said, I know what you mean. She said, your husband isn't. And I said, no, but I know he could be without the Lord. And so she began to tell me about her husband. And the Lord prompted me to share with her the same thing I was studying. Because I realized at this point that we as wives are to be used of God to help our husbands overcome the little weaknesses in their character. To improve and to soften and to complete the character. And we have learned that when people come to us for counsel and they're wanting to know about the other person, that the other person isn't there for that counsel and those questions. We need to deal with the issue of the heart, the issue of my heart. And that's what the Lord impressed me to share with this lady. I said, you know, let me tell you what it's like in my home. Because I understand those feelings of frustration and agitation. And I know how you've pampered your husband. And I know how you've ignored him. And I know how you've criticized him. But let me tell you what the Lord is teaching me. It's found in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 45 to 46. That's the parable of looking for the pearl of great price. Why is it so important that we have daily study? friends because this was my study at the time this woman came to me and the lord was saying elaine you need to learn and to seek after me the pearl of great price in all areas of your life and the lord was putting that message into my own heart and into my life and into my experience and how it applied to me practically in my relationship to my husband to soften and subdue me, that I can be a tool in his hands for my husband. So I shared that with her and how the Lord has helped me in areas that I have found frustrating in my home and how the issue wasn't my husband's problem, it was the issue of my own heart. And I got a letter from her several years later. I'd like to share it with you. She says, I thought I had it all together But my husband didn't. Have any of you women ever felt that way? We've got it together. They don't. And I'm sure you husbands feel exactly the same way. I've got it all together and she doesn't. 
I was frustrated. I was unhappy because I had a workaholic husband, and I was resentful because his work always came first, and others' needs always came before mine and my family seemed to always be pushed aside. There are many women who are experiencing that in a very real way. And then she goes on and says, Your advice surprised me. Why? Because she was wanting, what? Sympathy for her position. Just like I like sympathy for my position. But the Lord said, That's not what our communication is to be about. She said, Your your advice surprised me, but was exactly what I needed. Why? Because we're not dealing with her husband. We're dealing with our heart, her heart and my heart. I'm not dealing with my husband. I'm dealing with my heart. She said, I went home and I began to seek with all my heart the pearl of great price. I needed to be willing to give up everything, including resentment. Women, have we ever been resentful because our husbands have mistreated us have not provided for us, have not thought the way we've done should do they should do things, have not driven the way we think they should drive, have not answered the phone we think the way they should answer the phone. Do those little things un unsurrendered to the Lord begin to build resentment and we hold on to it. And what does the scripture say? If any of you harbor iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Bitterness is iniquity, it is sin. And it, the bitterness that comes in the heart between husbands and wives, God wants us to get rid of. The bitterness in our hearts between brother and sister, between sister and sister, between brother and brother, parent and child. God wants to relieve us of the burden of bitterness, friends. He wants to set us free from that. She said, I had to be willing, Elaine, when I began to study the pearl of great price. What's it going to cost me? It's going to cost me to deny those feelings of bitterness, of resentment, of frustration and anger. I have to put it away. That is a big order. Because it deals with me now and not them, not him, not her out there. She saw that. And then she says, but I thought I already had the pearl because I had the truth and I had the doctrines. And I wondered how me going to look for the pearl, who I already know and have, so I think, is going to help my husband change. But over a three-year period, as she continued to seek the pearl of great price, is it happened like that, friends? Over a period of weeks, months, and yes, even years, as she continued to seek the pearl of great price... Listen to what her testimony is now. God showed me that having theology in my head and real practical godliness displayed in my life were two different things. A form of godliness, but lacking the power, the power to overcome impatience, irritability, resentment, anger, intemperance, and those heart sins, those sins that are so deeply rooted in our hearts, would keep me out of his kingdom and I would never see anything better in my life here on this earth. Those heart sins that keep us out of the kingdom. God And as God changed me over the next few months, he was then able to do miracles in my husband in answer to my prayers. Amen. Amen. He did miracles in my husband because of me. Isn't that what God wants us to experience as husbands and wives? To see the husband becoming complete in his character by the softening and subduing influence of the wife in the home who is under the spirit and direction of Christ in all things? She goes on to say, Our marriage had always been pretty good, But things just keep improving. Notice the present tense. It took several months before she began to see glimpses of changes in her husband. 
But now, three years later, listen to her testimony. Things keep improving. It's getting better and better. And she says, he now knows how to say no to some of the needs of others because he sees the importance of giving time to his children. My husband, she says, is now planning outings for my children and I together as a family. He had never done that before. My husband now wants to talk to me. He wants to eat with us. He wants to spend time with the family. And yes, he still has his work responsibilities. And yes, he still helps people in need. But it's becoming in balance to what God has given him as his first work as priest of the home. God wants to use us as mothers, as wives, to work in the hearts of our husbands, friends. Not to ignore their behavior, their weaknesses. Not to pamper them in it. Not to criticize them. But to begin to see... The scripture that says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I'd like to read to you a scripture found in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter in the 14th verse. And it's a scripture I'm sure all of you are very familiar with, but I didn't understand its application to me in my home until several years ago. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. You know how I used to interpret that? The wife is a Christian, the husband is not. The Christian wife sanctifies her non-Christian husband. That is true. But friends, the Lord has shown me that when my husband is in the battle against self, and when self is ruling in his heart, whether it's how he drives, or if he's putting off those phone calls, or if he's a workaholic, or whatever his weaknesses may be, he he is not a believer that the power of God can deliver him from that weakness. He is an unbeliever. Not that he's an unbeliever in truth and doctrine, but he's an unbeliever that the power of God can change him in that position in his life. When I began to see this text as it applied to me in my home, that I as a believing wife, and I'm only a believer when I'm surrendered to do the will of God in all things, when I am willing to be a believing wife and my husband is struggling against the flesh, against the pull of his natural personality, are the the weaknesses in his character, I need to help sanctify him by being a believing wife to help his unbelief that God can help him overcome that. That is what we see in the life of Abigail. That is the, the, the role. I've gone back and I've reread Abigail. You know, we read through the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, as if it's just stories historically recorded. That woman has application to the wife of today friends abigail is a picture of a woman a wife who was a believer and her husband was a non-believer her husband was selfish and you remember that when david came to nabal and he asked for food and provisions for his armies because he was being pursued by saul he was in hiding that nabal responded who are you He wasn't interested in helping David. He was selfish. He was self-centered. He was a miserable man. But his wife was a believer. Oh yes, Nabal and she had the same religion. But he was an unbeliever. And so we're told that he denied David's army those provisions. And when the men went back to David and told them a report, what happened in the spirit of David? The man of God. His Self rose. His self rose. And he said, men, get your swords. We're going to battle. I'm paraphrasing. And Abigail heard of Nabal's response. And she immediately prepared provisions for David's army because that's not how she would have treated him. And she got on her colt And she began to ride out to meet, to find David and to give them what they needed. And who's on the way to her home? And what's their intention? They were going to kill the entire household because of the selfishness of one man. I'd like us to read the influence of Abigail. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 3. Abigail was a woman of good understanding. She was a woman of good understanding. That means, friends, that she knew what it was to surrender herself to the Lord, to be used of Him, and a beautiful countenance. 
That means that her spirit, her countenance was reflecting the character of God through her. And so she met David and she got off of her her colt and she went to him. And did she start saying, you know, my husband, he really is a mess. And, you know, and start criticizing her husband before David? No. She told the facts as they were. And she took on the responsibility herself. Read through this first first uh, Samuel t- chapter 25 and see how she related to David. And read through Patriarchs and Prophets, page 665 and 666. Wives, there is much that we can learn from the experience of Abigail as a wife. She went to David and she took on the responsibility and she asked for forgiveness for her husband's behavior. And she said, it wasn't in my husband's heart to, it wasn't an intended thing that he's going to out to get you. It was simply the outgrowth or the outcropping of a very unhappy and selfish nature. Will you forgive him? She was asking forgiveness for her husband. And her soft and kind words, were told, subdued the irritated spirit of David. And we're told that it kept him from committing a crime, from breaking the law of God, from murdering people for self-defense. Because self had been wounded. Had God put David in battle before? Yes. For the honor and glory of God, not because self was in the picture. David was coming to destroy because self had been offended. And by her kind words and her spirit and God working in her heart, she subdued the angry spirit of David, friends. That's what God is calling us to. God is asking us to be used of him, to be the glory of man, to recognize what he has given us to help strengthen and to improve and to complete the characters of our husbands. And when we understand this message even a little bit, we will become different wives in our homes, friends, if we take it to heart. And God will bring us deeper and deeper and deeper into that experience of learning how to be the glory of man. That we do not belittle or criticize or ignore or pamper our husbands, but that we work for their salvation. Recently, another wife called me. She said, I am a believer. My husband is a non-believer. Now, this fits the the understood definition here in 1 Corinthians, doesn't it? She said, my husband isn't a faithful provider to us. He earns plenty of money, but he squanders it away. And he's not faithful to pay our bills on time. And he's not thorough to finish his business on time. He, he works in construction and he does almost the entire job and doesn't bring it through to completion. And then we don't get paid because he goes on to something else. And she says, I'm fed up with it. And then... She said, and everybody in my church tells me, divorce him or separate. I said, why are you calling me? She said, because I think you're going to tell me something different. I said, you're right. I'm going to tell you that to change your husband, it has to begin in your own heart. Your husband is an unbeliever. He needs to see Christ in you. You have not, as I know I have not, and by the things you shared with me, you have not shown your husband that you are in a surrendered position to your Lord for your husband's salvation. Why? Because when he's not faithful to finish the jobs and he's at home and the, the uh, person calls up and says, you know, I want to talk to your husband. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And the husband's saying, tell him I'm not here. And she's saying, he's not here right now. She has dishonored God. She hasn't known how to rightly love her husband. She should never lie. She's a believer. The Bible says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And I said, You will only help your husband to overcome his weaknesses as you have the strictest integrity. 
That doesn't mean you say, he's right here and he won't get on the phone and I'm just sick and tired of the way he's been treating everybody around here. But she begins to pray first for the Lord to work in her heart. Then she begins to pray for the Lord to work in her husband's heart and give him no rest until he is willing to surrender those things. And then the Lord will tell her how to answer those phone calls. To talk with her husband. Honey, I have been a more of a detriment to you than a help. I have been lying for you, outright lying for you. And it's only hurt you more. You're more miserable. You're, you're more discouraged. You're more frustrated. Because I haven't known how to rightfully help you. Surrender to you. I need to, but not ever to go against the principles of God's word. And that lady, when we got off the phone, she started treating her husband with divine love for his soul. She recognized that as a believer, God wanted to use her to change the character of her husband. She wouldn't lie for her husband anymore. And he respected her for it. He respected her for it. He now began to have to face the weaknesses and the things that he was doing to disrupt their lives, friends. He began to have to have accountability. But she helped him with that. She didn't ignore it. She quit criticizing him. She stopped pampering him. But she learned how to work with God for the salvation of her husband. She said, that's what I need to hear. I really don't want to leave him. But I tell you, I was almost ready to walk out the door. I didn't know what else to do. I need the power of God in my life. Wives, we need the power of God in our lives to work for our unbelieving husbands. Unbelieving only in those little instances of the day where their selves want to rule. And God wants to use us to help subdue them. Proverbs 31, 28 says it like this. Speaking of the virtuous woman, of a virtuous wife, that's what we've been talking about, a wife who has wisdom from God and is willing to be under the control of the Spirit, says her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. What would our home be like wives if we would be a wife like that like Abigail the wife who looks to bring glory to her husband to honor him by her character and improving his character you think our homes would be happy places absolutely happy And there will be less contention. And we'll know how to better talk with one another and communicate with one another. And you know what we're going to find out? A lot of those times that those miscommunications have come, it wasn't because our husbands premeditated all these wrong feelings and these harsh words against (coughs) us or those demeaning responses. It's because they could do nothing else. It was just part of their natural nature that rose just like navels. But when Abigail recognized that, and when we recognize that, it gives us more tender compassion to work for our husband's salvation. And what would our churches be like if this was the experience of us as wives? You think our churches would be bursting you think it would be a refuge to those wives and husbands who are in met in crises in their marriages? Friends, we're not in a time now where there's little squabbles in the home. The homes in professed Christianity today, the homes of many of you here today, are in a crisis situation. The flesh has almost met its limit in what it can handle. But God says, I can do all things. You can do all things through me if you're willing to surrender to me. And it only takes one. It takes just one to start the change in the home. So let's not wait for our husbands and expect that that's their role. And it is as the priest. 
if they don't understand it, if they're fearful to begin, or whatever the situation, let's begin ourselves as the wives to make a change in our homes, friends. And our husbands will be blessed. And then what would our outreach be like if our homes were like this? By the influence of the wife. Hundreds of people would want to know about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because they, have, they can see, as the scriptures reveal in Abigail, a woman of good understanding and a woman with a good countenance. We cannot hide the Spirit working in our lives. We don't see it ourselves, but others see it in us, in our countenances, in our demeanor, in how we are with our husbands when we travel, when we're in the home, when we're in public, wherever we may be. That scripture found in Proverbs 15, 1 and 18, that talks about a soft answer, that's just one of the little principles that God is asking us to use to help to bring honor and glory to our husbands as wives. A soft answer. Those kind, soft-spoken words in response to their anger, their frustration, or their outbursts can make a tremendous difference. And you know what? If our husbands never change, we can have peace there. We can have peace. And in most cases, I believe, the husbands will change. And if the husband so hardens his heart, as did Nabal, leave them to God. But it didn't change Abigail's love any less. We will leave the consequences for our husbands with the Lord. And we will allow the Lord to work in our hearts through a soft answer. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you have given us your word to guide us in all areas of our lives, regardless of how simple they may seem or how difficult they may seem. And Lord, particularly today I pray for the wives that we would understand the role that you have given us when you created us to be a helpmeet for our husbands. Help us each one to take your word and put it in our heart to allow ourselves to be subdued by your spirit to be praying for our weaknesses, that we can enhance our husbands' weaknesses, to be praying for our husbands as we have never prayed before, and give us wisdom as we deal with the difficult areas that we each one will face in our own homes, that we can be a blessing to our husbands and to our homes and our children and others, but most of all, that we can be a blessing and a right representative of you is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.